I'm Alexander Hefner, your host on The Open Mind, and I'm delighted to welcome radio host and former Republican candidate for president and former Congressman Joe Walsh to our podcast. Welcome, sir. Hey, it's awesome to be with you, my friend. Thank you. Of course, you tweeted just recently, it's not enough to just beat Trump. He must be destroyed in the mother of all landslides. I concur with you, my friend. Is that plausible? Can that happen? Well, I think it will. Uh, look, I think the resistance to Trump is profound. How many times in American history have you had an outspoken Tea Party conservative like me working hand in hand with liberals to defeat a sitting president? There's something going on right now. I think most of America gets that this guy is an existential threat. They get it, and when you interact with folks who are on the fence now or who are persuadable, do you find that the pandemic in particular has had a kind of reverberating momentum with those voters? Yeah, you, you know, again, you and, I, you and I are political insiders, so we pay attention to this all the time. When, when I primaried Donald Trump and I campaigned in Iowa and New Hampshire, this was pre-pandemic. I got to tell you, I had so many Republicans privately tell me I like some of the things Trump's done, but man, I'm just sick of the Donald Trump show every day. It's exhausting. That Those were Republicans pre-pandemic. I guarantee you that this pandemic and, and the racial unrest and the protest and the horrible way Trump's responded to that. Uh, I think it's all like just added up and people just want to be done with him because the chaos is just too much. And when we talk about the mother of all landslides, what would you be content with? Every state. I want him to get his ass kicked in every state. I want him to lose every single state. I want it to be the biggest landslide in American history. That would be awesome. But here's why. And I say this as somebody who voted for him. I'm not one of the original never Trumpers. He is everything our founding fathers feared. He's ugly. He's ignorant. He's cruel. He's bigoted. He's authoritarian. America has to, has to obliterate all of that. And that means as well that all these Senate Republicans who've enabled him, they got to go too. And realistically, just having your pulse on the conservative movement for a long period of time, in what states do you think that obliteration is realistic? I mean, when we look at the electoral map, obviously, this is something that will fluctuate. You use the word profound. You know, there is profound frustration and um, I, I would say profound uh, repulsion uh, of, of Trump. Yeah. Realistically speaking, do you think that that obliteration can happen in places beyond the kind of normal bellwether swing contests, um, like say Kansas or Utah or Montana? Yeah, absolutely. And let's be clear about something. I also believe the Republican Party is done. I believe the Republican Party is breaking up before our eyes. Donald Trump is the last ugly gasp 
of a of a gone Republican Party. And and it goes to your question. Um, look, uh, the Democrats own the cities. The Republicans traditionally have owned rural America, and the two parties have traditionally fought over the suburbs. Because of Donald Trump, the Republican Party has lost the suburbs. So we, we, we Republicans can't play in the city or the suburbs. All they've got is small town America. So you're seeing states like Arizona that we're losing because of Trump. Texas is competitive because of Trump. Georgia, I think the battleground states, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Ohio, and, and Wisconsin, they're gone. Joe Biden will get them. I think there's a decent chance Trump's gonna lose uh, Arizona, Texas, Georgia, and, and, and even bring states like Tennessee and Mississippi into play. What would you say is different about the overconfidence or the prospective consensus that that is the coalition to defeat Donald Trump in 2020 versus in 2016 because there was much cheerleading and I recall specifically Jim Messina indicating in 2016 that there were the new Sun Belt swing states and that Clinton not only had a path through the Rust Belt but you think that um, besides being fundamentally different candidates, one who is authentic and one who is inauthentic, that this tsunami that you're describing can happen in spite of some of the, the late movement in the 2016 campaign, because there were summer weeks when there was a significant gap in the polling like there is now. So you, your point is not to be complacent ever, ever, but are there any dynamics that could resurface from 16 that could make the landscape more palatable for potential Trump voters? Uh, maybe, but look, it's one word. The difference is Trump, period, Trump. President we now Trump have, now, right, yeah. We, we've had four years of this guy in the White House. I mean, it, people didn't under, we didn't have that reality in 16. Yes, you're right, Hillary sucked. She was a lousy candidate. Joe Biden is a better candidate. He's likable, but it, it doesn't matter who, in my mind, in my opinion, it doesn't matter who the Democratic candidate is. This is a referendum on Trump. We now have lived through four years of Trump and, and people on the margins, people in the middle, people who voted for him last time, right? Uh, now they've seen what having him in the White House has done. And this is not just a matter of polling. When you look at it, from the moment Donald Trump raised his right hand and took his oath in January of 17, in every special election and in the 28 midterms since then, uh, Democrats have uh, opponents of Trump. The turnout has been through the roof. I mean, so, 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 and the 28 midterms, that was the, the biggest difference between Democrat and Republican midterm voting we've ever had in American history. So it is a referendum on Trump. Trump is the Democrats' greatest get out the vote tool. And do you think that the healing process and the reorganization of the former Republican Party, how do you see that potentially happening? if and when Biden is, is elected? Well, I, I think 
I think the Republican Party is done. I think we're going to be in the wilderness for a long, long time. And think about this. Uh, Donald Trump is going to get his ass whooped. He's going to lose in a landslide, but he will still get somewhere between 80 to 90 some percent of the Republican vote. So he's going to lose, but the base is his base. And all of these never Trumpers, like the good folks at the Lincoln Project, by the way, we all helped Donald Trump get elected. Uh, the Republican Party establishment was out to lunch. A lot of these Lincoln Project guys, the, the candidates they worked for, they're the reason Trump won. Uh, a lot of what I did helped Trump win, some of the angry Tea Party rhetoric. But all of Trump's voters are not going to turn around after he loses and vote for a guy like John Kasich or Jeb Bush or Mitt Romney. That's why the party's done, because most of the base has become Trumpist. And they're and, not going to you somebody like me. And, and how do you see that Trumpist, cultist uh, base uh, being potentially demolished for good or resurrected? There are people who are governors who've kind of attempted to um, govern in a way that is, that is uh, like he has um, irresponsibly in the face of the pandemic um, yeah. to, to put science on the sidelines and to, to ignore public health measures. Um, and then of course you have the, the sort of anti-China and um, xenophobic cultists you have sort of the stateside cultists like DeSantis and the yeah. and the the fed you know congressional ones like cotton and and uh where where do you see do you see that being obliterated too or do you see it attempted to be resurrected no see so i think that's the split so i think the after trump loses the republican party will split into two parties it'll be the trumpist nationalist party and it will be a party that I will belong to, a center-right, tolerant, conservative party. Uh, but the other important factor here, and by the way, neither one of those wings will have enough to succeed, which is why I think Republicans are in the wilderness for a long time. But the other important factor is Trump ain't going away. I mean, he's a jerk. He doesn't care about the Republican Party. He'll grab Sean Hannity. They'll do their own TV thing. He'll take all of his followers. He doesn't give a damn about the Republican Party, so he'll make a mess of things. I think we're looking at a real long-term troubling period for Republicans. So you don't think he'll go in the wilderness? If he loses, he's, he's going he's gonna to go... Um back on TV and, and whine and, and moan and complain um, and, and maybe sow civil discord and unrest for a period of months, if not years. Oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. He ain't going anywhere. And, and by people, the way, I don't think have grasped that reality, whether he wins or not, he's going to infect the body politic and the discourse for a decade, maybe more. Well, well, understand the tooth. Look, and I'm the two constants about Donald Trump are, that we know he's an idiot. We know he's a dumb man. And the second thing is we know he only cares about himself. So when he loses in November, again, all he cares about is resurrecting himself and keeping himself in the public eye. I'm not just saying this to say this. 
you know that he could run for president again in 2024 when he loses. Uh, and, and I'm not, I, I'm not ruling that out. I don't think he likes being president. I don't think he wants to be president, but I could see him running again, or by the way, propping up his dumbass son, Jr. to run again in 2024. He's going to make a, he's going to try to keep his stamp on things. And in, if what you're saying about the landslide does not materialize and, and Biden or the Democrats win, but it is a close contest, how much do you fear his delegitimization of the election result? And do you think McConnell will go along with it? I'm scared to death of it. And McConnell may well. Again, it depends on what's going on in the Senate, because at his core, all McConnell cares about is retaining control of the Senate. Look, it's real. And again, Trump's an idiot. So he's been signaling to us publicly what he's going to do. All of his talk about voter fraud and the problems with mail-in voting, what he's doing with his followers and his media sycophants right now is planting the seeds to delegitimize the election, which is why, to your point, it's so important that it's a landslide. Because if Donald Trump loses in a close election, I don't think he's going anywhere. If he loses in a close election that is not a nail biter in the sense that it's contested in one state and there's a dispute over the returns. In other words, if he loses by 10 electoral votes, that's a pretty clear outcome. Someone like McConnell would have to betray even more than he's betrayed his, his oath to go along with disputing that result. I mean, if it, if it hinges on one state and one counting methodology and, and a question about the integrity of it, then I can understand what you're saying. But if there's a clear difference in the number of electoral votes in, in the state's reporting, I don't see how even his most loyal sycophants and allies on the Hill would be able to deny that, that reality. But you, do, you, do you think there's a universe in which you know, Trump loses by 10 electoral votes and he tries to stay in power? Yes, uh, I do. And again, I just always hearken back to this. If he loses by 10 electoral votes, that's a close election. And that's close enough for Donald Trump to say it was stolen from me. And don't forget, he right now owns 80 to 92 percent of the Republican base. Uh, so Mitch McConnell and Tom Cotton and Ted Cruz and Nikki Haley and all of them, they're beholden to his voters. Always remember that McConnell, Cruz, Haley, uh, Rand Paul, Rubio, all of these people privately they believe about Trump what I say publicly. They're not afraid of Trump. They're afraid of Trump's voters. So if it's a close election and Trump gets his voters wound up, Trump's congressional allies are going to, they're going to be beholden to that. They're going to have to go along. I just don't note, you know, it's, it's such a violation of norms and, and law that we really haven't seen maybe ever there have been ties, there have been electoral outcomes where a particular state's results are in question, but a clear-cut victory, plus you got to assume in the popular vote, 10 to 15 million more votes than, than Trump. I, I, you know, I want to believe 
what you're saying uh, because we we have to be truly cynical. Well, but but, but let, let me let me just interject and again say Donald Trump. You talk about norms and you talk about hard to believe. Look at who our president is. Yeah, well, that's true. And, and look at every doggone norm that's been broken. I mean, color me crazy, my friend, but I thought if a president pressured a foreign government to help him cheat in an election, I thought that that would be grounds enough to remove that president from office. I mean, you talk about shedding, shredding norms. We live in, in an unprecedented time with him. But you would hope that in that result, the, the other scenario of a, let's say, 10 to 20 electoral college vote difference, that there would be enough reasonableness and courage on the part of the, you know, if you want to call it courage, like whatever you want to call it, you, you know, to challenge Trump and to challenge his voters and, and, and very clearly, I, let me put it this way. If Romney was the one Republican to vote in the Senate to convict, when it, when it comes to a clear public answer from states that Trump won, it's like those Trump voters in those states, you mentioned some, Ohio, Florida, Pennsylvania, those are no longer Trump voters. I don't think you're, you're projecting something that's implausible. I just, I would like to believe that in that outcome, there, there would be um, enough recognition of, of the reality um, well, and, 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 and look, if, if, I, if I've got 10 grand and I'm putting money in Vegas, I, I agree with you that if, if, if it's a 10 electoral vote victory for Biden, um, uh, Donald Trump is going to huff and puff. He's going to raise a stink. He's going to yell voter fraud, but he's going to eventually saunter away. Uh, he'll, he'll make trouble after he leaves, but he will eventually leave. I, I, I do think the odds are that he will. But all I'm saying is, be ready for the worst. That's all. Right, and be ready for the worst in a transition when yeah, he doesn't absolutely. want to hand over the power or attempts to corrupt the country and, and his office in a way um, that makes it very difficult for his successor. Well, yeah. And, and for instance, uh, if Biden wins by 10 or 12 electoral votes, uh, Trump will not show up at the inauguration. He will not congratulate him. He will not do those. He will not uh, exhibit those norms that we're all used to when it comes to a peaceful transfer of power. He'll blow off all of that stuff. Right. And also in terms of, you know, how McConnell in conjunction with Trump might want to uh, legislate uh, or use a lame duck session to express their grievances or to undertake some kind of further judicial crusade um, right. Trump Trump appointments. I mean, that's, that's clearly plausible. Right. Um, let me ask you this, Joe, the final line of questioning is, you know, so much of this now contingent is contingent upon Joe Biden and, you know, that's the nature of American politics, and it, it is Shakespearean, it is uh, protagonist, character-based, uh, who do you like, who do you want to have a beer with, who do you trust, um, as opposed to voting in a parliamentary system. We can't ignore the fact that 
you know, there's, there's been tumult in the past and there still could be tumult in these next few months. Um, just given the nature of the pandemic and the vulnerability of uh, people above a certain age and frankly, the vulnerability of anyone. And so I, I just wanted to raise that with you because the most frightening scenario for me is if for some reason, Joe Biden is not the nominee. I mean, which, you know, he's, he's the presumptive nominee at this point. He stays healthy. He's, he's good to go. Um, you know, this is a question of equal import for a, a nearly, you know, as old uh, Republican nominee, yeah. but um, that would, that would bring more chaos to this period. And it really ought not to, in the sense that this is a referendum on, on uh, Trump. It doesn't matter if the nominee is Biden or the nominee is someone else. Um, but I just wanted, I wondered if that was something you considered because you are very concerned about this election and, you know, what might transpire um, to, you know, further embolden Trump and, and lead him to, to win. It's a, it's a great question. I was talking with a good friend who I respect a couple of weeks ago, and I said what you just said. I'm, look, Joe Biden's going to be 78 years old. I mean, I, I worry that, you know, he may not be the nominee. But, but it, to me, it doesn't matter. When I got out of my race and after the Iowa caucuses, I went on CNN. And at that time, Bernie Sanders was in the lead on the Democrat side. And I said, I'll support Bernie Sanders. I'll support Elizabeth Warren. I'll support Kamala Harris. Biden doesn't matter to me. Um, and I still believe that. I, at the end of the day, think because this is so much Trump that if Biden all of a sudden didn't make it or had to drop out in a month, I don't believe the resistance or the dynamic in this campaign would change one iota. I really don't. The only question would be if the chaos in the selection of his successor to the nomination, if that chaos would undermine the party and its um, and, and its appeal, you know, if if there was some kind of undiplomatic fight over who was right. going to be the nominee. Well, that, that's true. That would be a problem. I think it would be a temporary problem that Democrats would quickly get over. Like, is it Bernie? Is it whoever? Um, my, my greater fear would be is if, if it were Bernie or Elizabeth Warren, that a lot of these moderate Republicans and a lot of the never Trumper groups would not get on board with a Bernie or an Elizabeth Warren. Clearly, I would but there are many never Trumper groups that wouldn't. I think the Democrats would ultimately come together though. And I, and I think that the, the majority of those groups would just be so dishonorable, whether it's the Lincoln Project or other groups, if they saw the nominee and, and you know, were not as energetically backing someone who is the only alternative to Trump. And, you know, they, they are, they're really entrenching themselves in that position. So if that situation were to arise, you know, they, they'd, they'd either continue operating or not. 
they wouldn't be an entity if they weren't opposing Trump's reelection, whoever well, I, I And I agree with you, but I can tell you being part of that movement, there's a split right down the middle of the never Trump world. And, and half of us, it doesn't matter who the nominee is, but half of the never Trumpers, if Bernie had been the nominee here from the beginning, you would not see a number of these groups even sprouting up. Now you raise an interesting point. <laughs> If Bernie became the nominee a month from now, you're right. They've already stuck their necks out there. What do they do now? They may be stuck. Yeah. Well, let's hope that that situation does not arise. Yes. Um, you know, Biden has proven awfully resilient and uh, determined in public life and is, is really someone... Um, we've counted on as, as a country. And of course, the voters in Delaware have counted on. And, and by the way, my friend, one quick word. One thing I think Biden should do along this line of questioning is, I think you ought to come out in the next month or two and say, I'm serving one term and put that to bed. Right. Put that to bed. And, and also, if he were to select a VP in the next weeks, in that scenario, were to arise, however, unfortunately, uh, then there would be a natural successor, right? The, yes. the question of who do we nominate uh, is no longer relevant. It's, it's not going to be Bernie. It's not going to be Cuomo. Yes. It's going to be whoever is the, the running mate. And that's why it doesn't really only matter that they're a heartbeat away during the presidency. It matters that they're a heartbeat away during the campaign just as much. Absolutely. Joe, it's a pleasure to connect. You can listen to Joe's radio program and, of course, follow him on Twitter. Thank you so much for your time today. Great to be with you, my friend. Thank you.